Hey, everybody. I don't know how to start it off. What are your thoughts about the intro? All right. Well, I wrote down a list of points. Boundaries for our podcast. We curse a lot. Fucking obviously. We tell stories and jokes. We are allowing ourselves a space to talk about important and challenging subjects. <laughs> if any of these things are not okay with you, please don't listen to this podcast. But I, I think we should keep talking about this for for a minute and make that the intro. Just kind of take some of each of our statements and and make that the intro. And also I'll use the fart noises. Welcome to How I Met My Brother. Okay, so aliens. All right, all right, all right. Uh, <laughs> uh, so aliens, we have not. That's not even on our list of topics. I can't believe aliens isn't it's on true. our list. Yeah, we really haven't talked about. We, we have to talk about aliens so for time, a minute, except that I have this one question. So much time on dinosaur genitals and so little time on. Uh, so much time on genitals on in aliens. general. Okay, so let me finish giving you the list of Star Trek series because after Enterprise. There was, um, let's see, what comes out next? Because currently... There's more? There are four Star Trek shows on TV right now. Five. There are five Star Trek shows currently, like, airing slash in production. So, there is uh, Star Trek Discovery, which I think was the next one to air after um, Enterprise. And then a um, which one? Star Trek Discovery. Discovery is next. I'm yeah. telling uh, Alex to bring his base tonight. Sorry. Okay. Uh, so Star Trek Discovery, uh, I think, is the next one after uh, Enterprise, uh, and then Strange New Worlds is basically like an offshoot of Star Trek Discovery. So both of those are prequel Strange shows. Strange New Worlds. Except here's what's funny about Star Trek Discovery. So it started off as a prequel. To <coughs> it started off as a prequel to the original series, um, but obviously because technology in general is so much better in the in, in the twenty first century than it was in the nineteen sixties when they made the original series, the show looks flashier, it looks more futuristic, right. even though it's supposed to take place ten years in the past. So, huh. like the first two seasons of uh, Discovery, spoilers for Star Trek Discovery, in case anybody's planning on watching it um the first two seasons take place uh prior to the original series and then in season th actually i can't remember if it's season three or season four but at, so at some point basically the production crew is just like fuck it we're tired of this being a prequel and they um <laughs> transport the entire ship like 500 years into the future so they can just have cool new technology and shit and just completely abandon the the, the original concept of the show which is that it's a prequel and also that the lead, the main character is uh if uh got Kling, or uh, not Klingon, fucking uh, Vulcan. She's not Vulcan. She's human. <laughs> she's human, but she was raised by Vulcans. And so, like the entire first season, she's like, she's she's like this the heavy like Vulcan logic. You know, that's like a big part of her whole thing. And at this point, that is completely out the window. Like she's she also like the the, the at the beginning of the show, she has a a Vulcan haircut. Um, but she's also she's the the actress is black, so they've gone from having like straightened hair, Vulcan haircut, uh, to now like in the current season she's wearing like she's wearing braids, 
Um, she's like, like the whole her the the original conceit of that character is all like completely out the window, and now they're on a whole different thing. It's hilarious. I love it. It's one of the things I love about Discovery because they just keep fucking around and being like they they introduce. You know what a Klingon looks like? Okay. Klingons, um, there, there are two, there were two established uh, appearances for Klingons prior to Discovery. One was introduced in the original series where they basically just looked like, uh, looked like Greek dudes with Fu Manchu mustaches. <laughs> so like little mustache on either side of the, the, the upper lip, maybe a goatee oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. with it, and then like sw- just swarthy skin, yeah. right? Um, and then in Next Generation, they were completely reinvented uh, mm. to much darker skin. This big uh, head ridge thing that you've probably seen, like the the, the big molded uh, thing on the the front of the head. Um, and they usually wore they, they usually wear like, like longer hair, especially later into uh, season uh, into uh, Next Generation and into Deep Space Nine. Um, then. <laughs> inexplicably so that was the standard and it was even addressed in uh, in deep space nine uh like why they looked different like sort of addressed where they they it, the the show canonically um like just addressed the fact that klingons used to look different they didn't give much of an explanation for it but they were like yeah yeah that was a thing and now it's not anymore um so then discovery comes along and they introduce these klingons um that are they look like uh they're completely bald um they have much bigger like pointier heads um and like point big pointy teeth like the, the a complete redesign um from like from the next generation klingon like what had become the standard like klingon they did just this a complete aesthetic redesign uh for them and what's hilarious is that uh and it, like again the fact that they're bald is a huge thing because the klingons in all the the whole um next generation deep space nine era are established it's established that like the, they're like a long-haired warrior thing like the uh the i don't know if that was a samurai thing or like a chinese warrior thing but um there's like a like an ancient warrior culture thing of like men having long hair and like the part of part of like it's you know connected to power and whatever and I don't know if it's a Samson thing or whatever but anyway Klingons having long long hair was like a very established core like aesthetic of uh, of, of Klingons in general and so uh, they introduced these bald Klingons and the 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 uh, backlash. <laughs> from the audience was so intense after the first season of discovery that in the second season, all of a sudden they had hair (laughs) and there's like one throwaway line where they're like, Oh yeah, we're not at war anymore. So we stopped shaving our heads. (laughs) We were shaving our heads that whole time. We were, that's all it was. It wasn't a weird pointless redesign for no reason. (laughs) We were just shaving our heads. Um, so yeah, that's one of the things I think is funny about Discovery is that they're Is not... there any more after Discovery? Yeah, so there's Strange New Worlds, which is an offshoot from Discovery. So that is the uh, actually the actor who plays, because the, uh, the lead character of Discovery, um, the, the black girl who was raised Vulcan, um, she is Spock's adopted sister. So Spock is also, younger Spock is also introduced during Discovery, and then the actor who plays younger Spock on Discovery then um, plays play Spock on um, on Strange New Worlds, and Strange New Worlds is about um, the time before Captain Kirk became the captain of the Enterprise. Because there's a, at the very beginning of the original series, um, there's a guy. Uh, this episode called uh, the Menagerie, where this guy Captain Pike um, has been horribly disfigured by something. I can't remember what. Um, so he's like in a wheelchair, and his face is all melted and shit. He can only communicate by like beep, like pressing a, a button that like answers questions, yes or no. Um, and Captain Pike was the previous captain, so 
Strange New Worlds follows the crew uh, with Captain Pike as the, the captain, presumably leading up to the time when he's supposed to end up in, all freakishly disfigured in a wheelchair. And then also there's two cartoons, current cartoons. There's Star and Trek. And that doesn't include the movies. That does not include the movies. So Star Trek Prodigy is a kid's show uh, based on the Star Trek universe. And then um, Star Trek Below Decks is a very uh, self-referential, like self-aware uh, comedic take on uh, on Star Trek. So it just kind of, it, it does a lot of um, like what I do when I'm making fun of Star Trek, uh, like ex- acknowledging the tropes and making fun of them in, in a way that's like, I still love this show. I, li- I, I, I like obviously still love Star Trek. Um, but also, I feel like I'm allowed to make fun of the uh, the weird idiosyncrasies within the show. So, how long have you been into science fiction? Uh, pretty much always. What do you like about it? Um, I don't know. Um, when I was I a kid, um, I loved, loved Ray Bradbury. <clears throat> and uh, science fiction as well. Yeah, I, I, it's certainly not a, um, it's funny because in my stand-up act, I, I, I made a joke comparing um, being, uh, being into, being a Trekkie to uh, sexual orientation. <laughs> um, and I do kind of feel like there's a similarity, not just, not, not specifically in being a Trekkie, but just in, in terms of like the, um, the You were just of, born this way. Yeah, exactly. Like the kind of entertainment, like I've just always liked, um, stuff with technology stuff with magic um that those are just those are just kind of the the kind of stories that always appealed to me i mean i remember like the the earliest um movies that that i remember um like standing out to me are things like uh flight of the navigator flight of the navigator i was asking someone recently if they remembered flight of the navigator and they didn't remember Flight of the Navigator was my favorite, Leo. Uh, yeah, no, Flight of the Navigator. Flight of the Navigator, that was the best. I've watched that recently because it's on Disney Plus now. And is it's it still awesome. good? Yeah. It is still just as. I mean, it's it's goofy. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but oh, yeah, it's, man, it's still I just remember that from my childhood being, oops, the oops. best freaking show. Um, yeah, that one, and then uh, like the um, there were a couple other like Disney movies. That uh, that were kind of magicy sci-fi that uh, that I liked. One was called The Cat from Outer Space. That one really like that one. That one got <laughs> got two parts of my brain uh, because I loved cats and I loved uh, outer space. The Cat from Outer Space is about an alien that looks like a cat uh, that lands on Earth, and um, but it has like a it has a collar that it wears that allows it to communicate and to do telekinesis. <laughs> <laughs> and do telekinesis with a it's, collar. Its spaceship gets impounded by the government, so it has to get a guy to help it get back into its spaceship, so it can go back to its cat planet. Oh. Uh, and then, like, I remember really liking the uh, the Witch Mountain movies, the uh, Escape. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Escape from Witch Did you Mountain ever and see, Return to Witch um, Mountain or something like that. The Watcher in the Woods. No, that was a kind of Disney-ish one that was spooky and creepy about these like interdimensional beings in the woods. 
Mm-mm. That was a really good it rings one. rings a bell, but I didn't Watcher see in it. the Woods. I wonder if that's on Disney+. Plus. It might be. should check it out and see if it's there, because that's another one that I loved when I was a kid. We can add that to the list of bonus content. Yeah, yeah. Except that I don't have Disney+. Plus. That's fine. We can figure out a solution. And so I, you know, studied astrophysics. Did you know that? Yeah. That's why I thought you were the, the you, you would be more likely to know the answer to whether or not we can fa- travel faster than, than light. I mean, I think that it's pretty much uh, the, the general consensus is that like you, you can't like physically accelerate an object. Like the way that we think of travel and the way that we think of velocity, um, like you, you cannot uh, you can't travel faster than light that way. Um, so that's where like wormhole theory and um, space-time bending and shit come into play because, yeah, according to general relativity, no, you cannot go faster than the speed of light um, because then you would not have any mass right. and you would cease to exist. Yeah. But... Yeah, add in some multidimensional universe and some contours in the space-time continuum and things we don't quite understand yet, and then something could potentially travel in a different way than we're able to comprehend yet because we haven't gotten to that level of understanding in our own evolution. Yeah. Right now, we're still in, like, 3D. Right. There's probably... Yeah. Well, it's that... um the old uh i wonder if we could wormhole with our bodies i mean i don't see any reason why you wouldn't be able to if like if the wormhole technology exists but i don't know i mean there's again it's who, who the hell knows because we don't know what the technology would look like it's it's one of those things that is so it's that any any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic yeah. like if you think about wormhole travel faster than light travel you're just you're you're pulling theories out of your ass because we have no idea and no way of having an idea of what it would look like um so it's kind of you know similar to these quantum entanglements and when uh multiple things are happening at the same time on the planet that is where information is being shared or expressed simultaneously and communicated across space-time, and we don't totally understand how that works yet. Right. I do think that um, I remembered that the name of that field is called a morphic resonance field from that physicist. Um, but, like, the hard sci-fi is why... We've talked about The Expanse before. Like, the hard sci-fi is why I is one of the things that I really like about the expanse because they do get into Could um, this actually the, work? the science of what it would look like. And mm-hmm. even though the, um, cause they do, it includes a faster than light hub basically. Um, so there is one, there's a gate that is anchored in reality in the, in, in the real world, in our solar system out, pa- out past, out past Neptune, I think. Um, and once you go into the, once you go through that ring, you are in this non-space. 
um, this this space that does because the the ring is is a flat ring. So you travel through the flat ring, but when you tra- as you travel through it, you actually transition into this non space that is full of all these these other rings, and on the other side of those rings are other solar systems. So that's how they create that. That's how they allow for interstellar interstellar travel while still being being extremely scientific and extremely realistic about uh, the the realities of uh, high speed uh, inter, uh, intrastellar travel. Um, because one of the other things that they deal with is uh, a ton is like the realities of uh, energy of, production. Uh, well, no, the the reality because they have the the energy production. They have a, a an engine um, that is able to. I think it's nuclear. I think it's fusion. I think it's a fusion engine, um, but it's basically it's allowed. It's able to um, to generate uh, enough uh, enough speed to you know uh, enough force to go like multiple times the, the um, to travel at multiple G's, um, which is like the the fastest that human beings can survive. Um, is it like you know? Comfortably is like three G travel, um, and then like at the extremes, they're tra- they're pulling like eight Gs or so, uh, doing like battle maneuvers and whatever. But like the realities of of that travel, because and that's one of the things that I appreciate about that series is because they are, um, you know, it's very it's you know several hundred years in the future. They've got a lot of technology, obviously that we that we don't have, and they've they've colonized the entire solar system. There's people living on Mars. There's people living on uh, Ganymede and there's people living in the asteroid belt. Hmm. Um, but the reality of travel between those places, even when you have engines that are capable of, uh, of producing enough thrust to travel at, you know, <coughs> three, four, five G acceleration still takes a substantial amount of time, uh, to get from one place to another. And, you know, maybe it's only a couple of days to get from earth to Mars as opposed to several months, but, it's still several days or, you know, it's depending on the, on the position of the planets. It could, you know, it could be uh, a couple of weeks depending on how fast, fast your ship is to get from like one of the moons of Jupiter to earth or whatever. Did you ever see contact? Uh huh. I really liked the premise of that one. Yeah. Um, the notion that there might be intelligent life here and that we can't, you know, within this, this universe and, but that we can't, necessarily comprehend it yet and that it's been that there have been that there has been communication for billions of years potentially and that the other thing that that I liked about it in terms of the physics was um this this ball that she traveled in she had zero gravity inside of the ball so so somehow she's allowed to float in there but the ball itself goes really fast, but it's the technology is such that inside there is this homeostasis that's created. So she doesn't actually feel the effects of the, of traveling so quickly. Well, isn't, I haven't seen that movie in ages. Isn't part of the concept of the story, um, that they're not able to like from the earth perspective, they're not able to see that she went anywhere. That's right. Um, so there's this right. question of whether or not, like, what actually happened, where she actually went. And That's and right. Everything. I forgot about that. Yeah, because it, it, it appeared that um, Cause it nothing like, happened, yeah. but she had been gone for a split second, which was 18 hours. And then they found, at the very end of the show, they found that there were 18 hours of silence on her microphone. Right. And then they're like, hmm, 
but she yeah she just like was gone for a split second so there was no proof right um but so that brings me do you believe in aliens um have you ever had experiences what have you thought what have you seen so my uh, actually my my uh my opinion on aliens is kind of similar to my opinion on uh, higher intelligence in the universe. So, uh, first of all, do I think it exists somewhere? Almost certainly. Like the idea, like the, the, the mathematical probability that this species on this planet is the only one in the, in history that has ever evolved uh, to a level, not. To, to, a, to a level of intelligence, to, to, you know, control language and, uh, be able to destroy its planet and whatnot. Um, almost certainly, there there are other uh, uh, civilizations in in the universe. Um, I, I I cannot I, I I can't believe that uh, that that wouldn't be the case because of the number of them, just because of the number of of stars and the like. I can't remember what the uh, somebody's pe- people have worked out the the mathematical the mathematical probabilities on it, and yeah, the odds that there that we are alone in the universe are infinitesimal because there are so many fucking stars and so many fucking planets. <laughs> that being said, have we been <laughs> like have we been visited? I don't know, and kind of for the same reason because there are so many stars and there are on on around uh, and they have so many planets, and the distances between them are so incredibly vast. So vast. Um, unfathomable so in order for uh this planet to be visited by uh life that did not come from within this solar system that means that life has to develop in another solar system has to develop the technology to be able to travel at least at like a measurable fraction of c and then they have to decide to come here you know that like the it just said the odds that aliens have been here, like I'm far less like maybe, but I, I would I would not consider that a certainty to nearly the degree that I consider the existence of other intelligent life in the universe to be certain. When I was in Latin America, there is definitely much more of a prevailing mythology uh, of aliens and like. You go to local towns and they'd say, oh, in that mountain over there, there's a subterranean city. Um, Oh, over there, there's an interdimensional door in that rock. Uh, There was a guy that I lived with out in the Chilean desert. And he was a very enlightened human being. But, you know, there were these stars out there and he'd be like, Phil, that's a Foo Fighter and that's a Foo Fighter and they're aliens and they're watching out and they're... And being down there for five years and hearing all these stories, I started, it's not like really a truth, uh, the way we think of truth, like fact, but it, it started to feel like I felt like the mythology was in me. And so it wasn't like a belief. It was just some sense that there was some extraterrestrial life kicking around but I there was one and I'll tell you that there was once all right I I haven't told this story in a long time so I was in the Chilean desert and I was sleeping alone out uh on this like tennis court that this guy had made and um I remember I woke up in this giant being was probably like eight feet tall and it was nude 
and it was uh, androgynous, and it just walked up to me, and it kneeled down, and it put its hand on me. And I um, sort of, I have this recollection of kind of waking up and being scared by it, and then uh, I never, I, I, it could have been a dream. I don't know what it was, but it was very real at the time. And I can still picture it very clearly in my mind's eye, this, this being. And it didn't seem, I wasn't afraid of it because I thought it was going to hurt me, but I was afraid of it because it seemed very different from me. And then I've had experiences of like, it, I, I do, I have experiences, direct experiences of like interdimensional stuff. But I don't know about, I don't know myself. And then Arecibo Observatory in Puerto Rico, I studied there. I studied dwarf spiral galaxies for a summer there. And there is a similar, it's just like this feeling because the mythology is a part of the culture still. So you almost feel like there's different, that there is other life and that it's connected. But I don't have that feeling naturally when I'm just walking around in Missoula and making my art and hanging out with my family. It's not something that it's a part of, of what I think about creation. I'm not sure. Well, so you use the, the word mythology there a couple of times, which I think is a really important uh, way of highlighting like the similarity between, um, between believing in aliens and having religion. <laughs> like, they are both things that can that have like first of all have have some theoretical foundation, some theoretical support, and reasons why you would believe in them. Um, and they ha like there are stories and mythologies that that go along with them that can be good educational tools, um, and they can also be misunderstood and misused by people who are anywhere on the you know the range from. Um, uh, dastardly to crazy and um yeah i think there's there's a real a real similarity there uh between like between aliens and religion in general i mean there there are things that um cannot be proven like aliens may be able to be proven eventually most certainly not in any of our lifetimes not in the lifetime of anybody who's hearing this um but yeah, in theory, if the human race doesn't extinguish itself on a long enough timeline and with the <laughs> assumption that the human race continues to survive, <laughs> then probably there would be a point where we would where we would make some sort of contact with some sort of life from that did not develop on this planet. What about all the flying <coughs> objects that they've found and all of that stuff? I don't know enough about any specific ones to um, to speak about details. I mean, I don't think that there. I, I I don't I don't believe that anything that's been found has uh, been from another planet. Um, yeah, I I tend to not believe in um, like fantastical government cover cover ups. I mean, obviously, there's like the the things that the government does, like they don't quite they're not quite conspiracies because they're very obvious like things like overthrowing legitimately elected governments and in, in other countries that we don't that we don't agree with and stuff um yeah no the whole like hiding aliens just yeah i don't i don't think so i mean maybe fuck i could be wrong but you know it's the same thing with like 
uh, everybody who talks, you know, people that talk about the um, Aztecs and Mayans and, uh, right. I was and Egyptians of, and stuff and like yeah. whether there were aliens involved there. It's like, no, we're just fucking egocentric. And we think that our current era of technology is the greatest era of technology that has ever existed. And we <laughs> lack the narcissist. We're so fucking narcissistic <laughs> that we cannot gr- we cannot wrap our heads around the idea that Egyptians and Incas and Aztecs and Mayans knew fucking math and right? had the technology to do astrology and shit like that. Like they yeah, they could follow the stars. They knew they had they had mathematics. Yes, they had the ability to like no, they didn't have tractors to move giant stones. But yeah, <laughs> no, they figured out how to move big pieces of rock and shit. Um, yeah, that's I never I've never thought of it from that point of view um, to put the power in those people. Yeah. And give them the right to that power and that intelligence that they have instead of being like, well, they were so smart that must have been an alien that taught them that. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, there, there's, uh, I, I mean, especially like uh, <clears throat> the American perspective on uh, on Central and South America and South American cultures uh, where it's like, okay, I mean, do you know some of the shit that, uh, that, that native, like North American uh, native cultures did before like the massive plague that wiped them out before Europeans came over here? You know, Europeans came over here a bunch of times before Columbus did, right? They did. And I've heard about Vikings. Vikings did, um, and like Europeans had, had been over here a bunch of times bef- before Columbus. There was a massive plague um, in the what? So Columbus is fourteen ninety two. Um, so it would have been like the early, like late fourteenth, early fifteenth century, um, that killed like eighty percent of the people in North America. Um, huh. So there was all this shit, like. So all these, uh, all this stuff you can find in early writings from some of the um, early like conquistadors or whatever um, about like making comments about how it's part like they convince themselves it's like God built this land for us because it's already been cleared like there's already stuff where you know like fields that have been cleared and they're ready for farming it's like yeah because people were farming the fucking land and then they all died <laughs> uh, like one of the things there's this massive um, I'll look it up and we can talk about it on, a, on another recording um, there's this massive earthen structure in what is now um, I think St. Louis um, like massive to the deg- like a, a, like a, a scale of engineering like on par with uh, like some of the pyramids and stuff like that um, there were you know we, we think of uh, the the indigenous people of North America as being primarily nomadic and um, you know but there were cities hmm. like there were cities of hundreds of thousands of people really um, yeah and in the, North America in North America in like uh, and that and yeah like I said there was just there was cities a, of hundreds of thousands I think hundreds of thousands I would have I, I'd, I'd want to look it up but at least okay, let's look that one up um, and this and, is pre Columbus yeah pre Columbus. You know, because yeah, that it would... bums me out. We just went so every Thanksgiving, the past few Thanksgivings, I've always listened to um, indigenous speakers uh, from the East Coast, and I didn't do it this time around. But it's a, well, you go to Idaho and Montana, and you see the plaques, the historical plaques, and it really makes it seem like the history of this land started when the white people got here. I mean, and I know a lot of you already know this in the audience, but how unfortunate for all of us because 
I didn't know that. I mean, if we could learn the actual history of what the hell was going on here, wouldn't we all benefit from that? Well, white supremacy wouldn't benefit. Well, fuck white supremacy. <laughs> um, yeah, That's no, it's, such a new thing anyway. Fuck white supremacy. I hate it. I don't want it. It's, it's unfortunate um, that there it, it, it may be impossible to learn a lot of that history. Um, I mean, I think some of it is known there that like some of the stuff you can, you can find on Google and I'm sure there are scholars who focus on this. Like, um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time on history in, in college, but it was mostly European history um, because that was the history that was offered. Uh, right. And that's, I mean, that's, that's part of the problem, right? Like you have to get to uh, like master's or PhD level study uh, in, in history before right. you can get any real even, history yeah before anybody even starts talking about uh you know deeper shit although i mean i i had a wow. i had a, a jewish history class in um in college which was like that was optional but that was an undergrad level uh class but yeah i mean you would think that um the pre-columbian history of the americas wow that's so cool that should i want to look that up be fucking um that should be at, I mean, shit, that shit, that shit should be taught starting in high school. Honestly, it should. Um, and the history, the native history of the land as well. I mean, history as I, as we're talking, I'm just like, wow, we, we could be learning so much more history and less about, uh, stocks and bonds. You know, there's, there's a lot that we're learning right now that, I don't know how much they Isn't actually really teach kids necessary. about stocks and bonds because I think I feel like most people dra- graduate high school barely able to balance a checkbook or manage finances. That's true. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I think that you know, I mean, the other thing that needs to change about the way that we teach history is that we need to stop pretending that Christopher Columbus was a, a good person. I think I've seen I, I've I've seen a lot of talk surrounding the idea of renaming um, Thanksgiving. Uh, or like changing the the mythos around it because obviously the the mythos surrounding Thanksgiving is, is well, a lie. Is very incorrect. Um, you know, I'm I'm strongly in support of of changing Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Day, and um, absolutely, I really do not understand um, why uh, Italians are so identified with with Columbus as like why that's an Italian pride thing. I don't that doesn't make any sense to me. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's totally a thing. Like when you when, when when you get into discussions about like how fucking awful Christopher Columbus is, one of the things. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, because because Columbus was Italian. I um, did not know that either. Yeah, he was originally. I thought he was Spanish. No, he was he was uh, bankrolled by the Spanish, but he was he was originally Italian. And I think that as a holiday, that the concept of giving thanks of all of us being thankful for what we have and what we've gone through and sharing food together and being a family. That's rad. Yeah. I support that so much, but we just don't need to have the, yeah, we can, you can false story associated with it. We can have the exact same holiday and eat way too much and, uh, and And play fun games, play, play games and, uh, and, and everything. And just drop the whole. Drop oh, the Native Americans were so nice to the colonials, and they made them. They made them a turkey, and it was very. It was all very nice, and everybody sat down around a table. And, and the pilgrims a, were so nice. And the pilgrims too. were so nice, and <laughs> the Indians were so nice, and everybody was so nice, and that's the way it was. 
just stop telling that story. It's bullshit. We all know it's bullshit. We all know. Everybody <laughs> fucking knows. It's, we just, need, well, I'm just, just real, like stop. Easter Bunny, Santa Claus, Thanksgiving, all of these holidays are rooted. I mean, the Easter Bunny poops out chicken eggs. That is not. I think the Easter Bunny is far far less harmful as a as a myth than the the kind pilgrims. Yeah, the kind myth. pilgrims myth. We're so nice and white, kind, nice and white. I'm so nice and nice and white, so nice and white, nice and white. I'm so nice and nice and white. Yeah, that's a little song I sing to myself. Nice and white. That's that's good. <laughs> That's a good thing to share. <sighs> anyway. So I have a question. Mm-hmm. All right. So before I ask you this question, we're gonna I'm gonna do some research on pre Columbus pre Columbus history of the US. We need to um come up with some new holidays which have different mythological undertones where that are real. And I mean, I'm fine with mythology around holidays. Like that's fine. I'm I, fine with honestly, mythology uh, in general. It's something we all need. I is think stories. Is part of the reason that I, that I find the Thanksgiving myth more bothersome than the Christmas myth or the Easter myth. Whoa. Um, not the, not the Jesus Christmas myth, the Santa Claus Christmas myth. Got it. Uh, the, the, the Santa Claus myth and the, the Easter Bunny right. myth, because the, uh, the Thanksgiving myth masquerades as historical fact. And the, right. the Easter Bunny myth doesn't masquerade as historical fact. <laughs> <laughs> like nobody, <laughs> the Easter Bunny is just a mascot for the holiday. And the Easter Bunny is the reason like this, the, the, you, you need, you need mascots. You need symbols for for holidays, for events and shit. Like Easter is bunny ears and pink and blue shit, and uh, and you know like spring colors and chocolate eggs, and that's that's Easter. That's the things that go around there. And Christmas is like red and green shit and uh, pine cones everywhere, and uh, and you put a tree in your living room, and um, and you get stuff for the people that you care about. Uh, and it and, and it's great. Uh, and yeah, Thanksgiving. If if Thanksgiving is just getting together with the people that you care about and eating too much and uh, and you know and playing games, then I don't. I, I I have a hard time seeing how anybody finds that an objectionable holiday. Except for the All turkeys. You, right. I need I need to speak for the turkeys. <laughs> the poor turkeys. The turkey that we get for our family Thanksgiving is a free range turkey. It is. <laughs> It's happy as it, a clam. It lives a good life. Did I ever... Gobble, gobble, gobble. Uh, okay, so I don't think we put on air, first of all, the saga of the Cardoza family uh, turkey uh, weight because <laughs> I told you this, right? I don't know. Okay. Our turkey this year was 35 pounds. That's... A, that's Whoa. That is not a record. Whoa. Uh, the... So... It had been a long running joke that we that, that our that we would have a huge turkey because Dad has been getting uh, these free range turkeys from uh, a farmer out uh, outside of town uh, for for years and years. And generally, when people order turkeys from them, nobody wants the giant turkey. Everybody wants like a twenty pound bird, right? Huh. Um, uh, because no, like most families aren't. Most people are not having you know twenty plus people for their Thanksgiving dinner. They're having six or eight or whatever. So they don't you know nobody wants everybody wants like a twenty to twenty five pound turkey. So my dad 
had for all, all this time, our dad, sorry, um, has for, for all this time had like basically his standing order be, I'll just take the biggest one. Um, and so it had been a running thing. Like we were getting, you know, turkeys in like the mid 30 pound range um, for, for years. And then one year we get a 39 pound turkey and we're like, holy shit, that is clearly the biggest turkey that is ever going to happen. We're never getting a turkey bigger than that. That's going to be the record. And then a couple of years later, we got a 40 and a half pound turkey. <laughs> and we're like, well, that's, that's the, that's, that's it. That's the record. That's not, that's never going to be beaten. Then we get a 43 pound turkey. <laughs> oh my God. So the family record for biggest turkey is 43 pounds, which means that that bird before it was uh, dressed weighed as much as my dog. What? Uh, yeah, I mean, before like before it was gutted and everything. When yeah. it was still alive, it weighed as much as my dog. That's hard to fathom. Yeah. Your bread turkey, how much did that weigh? Oh, uh, like, a, like a, a half a kilo or something. Actually, probably like that. Less than that because it, it weighs less after it goes to the oven because it's not as, not as much water. All right. So the question I have has kind of nothing to do with anything we've been talking about. It oh no, we we're, we're we're a stay on track podcast. <laughs> we we stick to the subjects around here, Missy. We don't we don't meander. <laughs> stay in a straight line. Dad's going to hate this episode. <laughs> Listeners, we got feedback from our father. Uh it was that <laughs> <laughs> It was that we, we talked too much. No, my aunt told me that you talk too much and that I need to talk more. You probably do. But yeah. I like listening. I, 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 I try. I, I have to. This is something that like has come in my adulthood as I've tried to like be a better person and a better friend <laughs> to the people around me. Uh, like not continuing to talk <laughs> is a conscious. It has to be a conscious choice for me. Like I have to go because I just I get excited when I have something to say, <laughs> and I will just keep talking. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, what's your question? All right. So, this is actually has to do with Thanksgiving episode number one. So we're totally on track. By the way, we're so circular. We bring it always back to the points from before. Okay, we finished recording episode number one literally tens of minutes ago, so I do not remember what we were talking about. All right. Okay. So it was at the beginning, and you were talking about how people, I'm so curious about this, how people can manipulate from a place of powerlessness and being the victim. What do you mean by that? Um, and what are the ways that those manifest? So it, it it's it's one of let me put my thoughts together really quickly. Um so the the way that that manifests is by making you feel bad for them when they have done something wrong. Um so somebody so you call somebody out for um doing something wrong. Uh they ran into your car. And you say, "Hey, uh you ran into my car." I don't like that. That's that's bad. That does that that has bad consequences for me. And rather than apologizing, uh, they start giving you the whole list of things that are uh, bad for them. Um, why they uh, they they're um, 
you know, either it's, well, so, um, there's kind of like the victim, there, there's the victim piece and there's also the, uh, kind of obfuscation, like making excuses piece. So <coughs> making themselves the victim, uh, would look like, um, it could, it could be gaslighting and trying to convince you that it was actually your fault. Um, it could be pretending that they are more harmed uh, by it than, than you are. Um, so like, you know, pretending to have a physical injury or making a bigger deal about the injury, the, the damage to their car versus your car or um, their, or it could be like they're, you know, pretending that the, the, the consequences are going to be worse for them because of whatever. Um, but yeah, so making, so di directing the conversation to how, how bad this thing is, whatever the thing is, uh, for them so that you will feel sympathy. So it's manipulate, it's manipulating your, your sympathy and your capacity for empathy. And it's something that, that, um, I mean, a lot of people do for a lot of dis different reasons, like abusers and addicts are, are very, very classic, um, because they know, like once you're in a, position to be manipulated by an abuser or an addict um they already know that they can do that to you they already know that it'll work um so they and or and, by behavior you know it's sometimes <clears throat> a person can be really great in a lot of ways and maybe they just have one or two behaviors that are slightly manipulative or something like that right that can happen. That can happen. But the other thing that tends to happen uh, over time, and it, it depends on, you know, it's a matter of degrees and whatnot. Um, but one of the things that tends to happen over time is they, uh, they don't do that less. So if a person has a capacity for, for manipulation or, uh, or abuse or whatever, um, they don't, unless they work on themselves, like, you know, and people are, people are capable of, of growth and change. What? Um, Wait, could you please say that again? People are capable of growth and change. 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 Growth and growth. Growth and change. Growth and growth and growth and change. Growth and growth. Growth and change. People are capable of growth and change. Growth and growth and change. That was a banger. <laughs> um, yeah, no, like obviously the best case scenario, people will recognize their own shit and work on their own shit and try to try to do less of that because nobody like um, there's there's no uh, there's no healthy scenario. I don't think I'm having trouble thinking of, of a healthy scenario where somebody chooses to be manipulative and not at, like and it's not coming from a bad place. Um, you know, because either... Well, you can manipulate unconsciously, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like, I don't think that most people, especially, like, let's, you know, go to um, the the uh, the the abuser or addict uh, scenario. Like, first of all, nobody decides to become an addict. Nobody decides to continue being an addict. Hmm. Uh, that is an interesting thing to ponder. Um, I mean, I don't think so, with the exception of like Nicolas Cage and leaving Las Vegas. 
I don't think that's historical. Um, I mean, I think there are people who are deep enough into into their cycles of addiction that they are not actively trying to escape those cycles. Um, so to that extent, I guess you could say that those people are choosing to continue being addicts. But again, at, at that point, how much of a choice really is it? Um, but um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't think people... I mean, you have to, like, if you're choosing to, like, if you're cynically choosing to, to be dishonest and manipulative, then you, like, that's, that's sociopathy. Like, that's, that's a different, that's a, a whole different uh, category of, of brain function, I think. Yeah. Um, but when we're talking about non-sociopaths, like, you don't sit there and go, okay, how can I manipulate this person? You're thinking, uh you're you're again if it if it's like uh i shouldn't i really shouldn't uh lump be lumping addicts and abusers together either like manipulation is something that's common uh between them but i i I don't want to equate uh people dealing with uh addiction with people who are um systemic abusers or or repeated abusers um because that's not that's not fair to addicts. It's not a fair comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was the question? You answered it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I was thinking as you were talking, I was thinking of Trump also as like someone who's very clearly and obviously manipulating for yeah. their own ego. But I I asked the question... Also, just thinking about some of these subtler things that are within all of us, you know, Um, because I think it's important to to look at ourselves as we're talking about things externally from us as well. And I'm curious about how manipulation has happened to me. And if I do it to others, I try not to do it, you know. I really am trying. So, I want to t- I, 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 I want to talk about Trump really quick um, because I think he's a perfect example. And actually, I think him and his son Eric um, are. There's a perfect example there in um, what, like, uh, in the aspects of nature versus nurture. Because I think the two of them are are fairly uh, similar people. Um, but Don uh, Donald was raised by a horrifyingly abusive father um and donald became the person that he is because um being a big shot was the only way for him to impress his father and he never did impress his father and he and like every everything about his sad little broken ego um is is so clearly uh tied into uh paternal neglect and paternal abuse eric i think donald is a better father than his father was um, and, but he's, but Donald is still, you know, a, a, a piece of shit and a selfish, selfish and self-serving person. Um, Eric was actually on a path where he could have been, uh, a more, uh, a, a more generous person, a kinder person and, and actually broken part of the, uh, and both actually both Donald Jr. And, and Eric, um, basically like in their late teens, early twenties, um, had kind of uh, 
moments when um, they could potentially have broken away from their dad or or um, or broken some of the the family uh, cycle of abuse and trauma, and they and they didn't. So what mm-hmm. happened with Eric um, is that he started a charity, um, and he was and it was um, it was going well. Uh, it, it raised I can't remember what it was a charity for. Um, I'm sure somebody can Google it. Um, but uh, so it ran for several years. It was like a fundraiser thing. Um, and then his dad found out that he wasn't making any money from the charity. <laughs> so he was That's not. the point of a fucking charity. Yeah. He found out that he was not, because I think he was using like one of his dad's properties or something like that, um, and was not uh, funneling money from the charity into <laughs> his own pocket. Wasn't embezzling money. Yeah, exactly. And his dad was like, you fucking idiot. Um, and, uh, you know, you need to exploit like, people like, yeah, in order for me to accept and like, love you're you. a fucking moron if you're not making money off of this. Um, and Eric, uh, internalized that and is now, you know, a, a toady for his father's, uh, fucking bullshit. Um, junior. What we do th- to receive love and acceptance. So this Holy is, shit. um, obviously Donald Jr. has never, uh, confirm this but uh, from multiple sources have kind of put together the the pieces on a couple of different stories so there was a story from uh, Ivanka that um, in the like early 90s that she had recommended a plastic surgeon a scalp reduction surgeon for Donald because he was starting to go bald and he's so fucking insecure and he went to the surgeon and he wasn't happy with the resu- results. So he came home just fuming at Ivanka and smacked the shit out of her at their apartment. And Donald Jr. was a teenager at the time. And then, um, and there was also, there was, there's also stories about um, Donald like picking Jr. up and berating him for not being in a suit or something like that. And there was a period of like a year or two uh, in, in his late teens where he just didn't speak to his dad. Huh. Like there were, there were no contact. Um, and he eventually gave up and, and folded and fell in line because he knew there was no way he was ever going to be, uh, as, as big a deal, uh, striking out on his own as he would be by hanging on to his, his daddy's coattails. Hmm. Um, so he eventually fell in line, but yeah, there was like this period for, for both of those guys. And it'll be really interesting to see hmm. what happens with, uh, with, with where they tried to get out of the lineage is I, what you're saying. I think so. I mean, and they tried to push back against their father and then and eventually um, just just fell right into his footsteps. And it'll be interesting to see what happens as Baron grows up because uh, I think that kid is growing up in a very, very different scenario to the way that his older brothers grew up. So to kind of tie everything together, folks... I want to end with uh, a thought on belonging. I think um, I think it is the deepest human need, and I feel that way, especially being here on Thanksgiving. And I am experiencing belonging in a way that I never have before, where you feel like you're a part of something, and you're connected to it, and that it's going to take care of you, and um. And I think that we all need it, but we frequently go to like aliens to belong or religion to belong or, um, or sports to belong. And that's not necessarily uh, wrong, 
but there can be an element of conformity and a part of our human spirit or a part of our way of expressing ourselves that we put push into the shadows in order to experience belonging or a couple of sons with their psychopath dad. And so I'm just curious, could we have a situation of belonging someday where we could all feel like we were a part of something bigger than us and it didn't have to be God because it could be us because we were actually taking care of each other and accepting each other and loving each other. It's just an idea. Amen. Gobble, 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 gobble. It's just an idea. Thank you for joining us. We're glad you were here. If you want to support what we're doing, you can do that at patreon.com slash H-I-M-M-B or at Heidi J L L C on Venmo. Thank you. We appreciate you. Donate now.